Are you ready for a travel adventure? How about an exciting trip to Venice or an exhilarating experience in Bangkok? Maybe you were more about a culinary adventure in Barcelona or just a relaxing day cruising the canals of Amsterdam. Join the Professor Travel as he invites you on an epic excursion, one that has you traveling the globe with him. Come and experience a world of culture, a world of history and architecture, a world of food and experiences to broaden your mind and save you time and money as you travel. Learn more, discuss more, travel more, and enjoy life more. And now your host, The Professor Travel. Greetings, students, and welcome to this episode of The Professor Travel. I am your host, The Professor Travel, coming to you from Orange County, California. This is the website, this is the vlog, and this is the podcast that you go to in order to learn more about different countries, in order to discuss more in this community as a whole. We travel together, and hopefully we enjoy life a little bit more. Now, you can always reach me on my social media sites. First and foremost, you can start to reach me through my website, which is at theprofessortravel.com. On YouTube and on Facebook, you can find me at The Professor Travel. I'm now on TikTok at The Professor Travel. On uh, Instagram, you can find me at The underscore Professor underscore Travel. On Twitter, you can find me at The Professor TR1. And if you're a blogger, you can find me on Blogspot at theprofessortravel.blogspot.com. Today, I have a wonderful visiting professor coming back to us again, uh, Professor Marissa uh, Paul uh, Federico. Can you please say hello to all the students and viewers who are listening and watching to us? Hey, everybody. I'm glad to be back. Uh, sorry I travel so much. <laughs> I love it, though. It's fantastic. Um, before we get started, and uh, obviously you have some amazing credentials, there is a cr incredible story behind the picture that we're seeing right in front of us. Yeah. Can you, can you, can you, can you talk to our students about this a little bit? Sure. Um, I really like adventure <laughs> and um, I, I have a hard time when someone says, Oh, are you really going to do that? So uh, yeah, in the middle of Sam Reap there, you know, these young people selling fried spiders and scorpions and things like that and um, because in Cambodia they do eat these things mm -hmm. it's, it's not just for show and I, I, I couldn't resist uh, you know picking one up and trying it I didn't and get very far I does it taste like chicken no <laughs> <laughs> not at all <laughs> well again this is yeah no that's 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 yeah. fantastic yeah yay yay and I'm glad you I'm glad you tried it um yeah. I, 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 I'm not so sure I'm as brave as you, but. Oh, I didn't get very far. So, you know, it's, it's, it's okay. But the important thing is that you tried it. The, yes, that's the I thing. Did. You know, now you could say, I tried a spider or I tried a scorpion. So <laughs> be on that. Um, so for the benefit of my students who have not heard you on the previous vlogs or podcasts, can you just go over really quickly a little bit about your credentials and then maybe some places that you've traveled in the past? Oh, you bet. Uh, well, I am actually a, a, an actual professor of uh, international business, business law, that kinds of stuff. But I did spend over 25 years in the travel industry, which uh, in the past, which allowed me to really, you know, start to see a lot of the world. Um, I had been traveling before that since the age of 18, but I, I've really been to all over the world except Antarctica. 
And even that, I've been pretty close. I, it, just this past year, I was also in uh, Tierra del Fuego, mm-hmm. uh, which we I think we had another podcast on. And, yeah. and so I, I got pretty close. And that is going to be one of my uh, one of my next, you know, within a year or two within uh, my next trips. But yeah, so I, I've been just I'm an avid traveler. I travel several, several times a year. Um, I'm a points collector. So uh, <laughs> my airline miles are, are part of that. But that's that's my story. Awesome. And um, just out of curiosity, and I think I may have asked you this last time, but I don't think we had a full understanding. Do we know how many different countries you've traveled to? We don't. <laughs> I, <laughs> well, I do have a map on my website um, that that shows them all. So, you know, people can go to my website and see that. Mm-hmm. Um, I, I am also, I just got myself one of those, you know, scratch off maps. So, um, I'm in the process of doing that, but yeah, there is a map on my website that does show. I think it's so fun to be able to kind of look at that. Cause I mean, one of those things that I like, and I'm, I'm doing as my, as I continue, not only with this vlog and podcast, but as a, as a life goal for myself is to be able to visit as many countries and then as many different cultures as possible. And sometimes we'll get multiple cultures in a single country, but I think it's a great opportunity to be able just to get out there and enjoy what's in the world, you know, the different countries that are out there. Unfortunately, you know, we have some countries that are even disappearing once in a while. And yeah. so if you have the opportunity to go and see some of them before they're gone, it's a great, it's a great learning experience to kind of see how that goes. Absolutely. Um, and, and that's the other thing I, I actually didn't mention was probably one of the most important factors um, is that I'm a cultural photographer. So mm-hmm. Um, a, a, along with being a professor, uh, my other career right now is as a cultural photographer. So that is part of why I travel as well, is to capture that and to capture the people and the essence of a country. And we're going to actually share the link to that in just a little bit, because I think it's really important that people see some of the wonderful imagery that you've already presented to us in the past and some of the new stuff that you're bringing to us on this wonderful excursion as well. Speaking of this one, Talk to me about where we decided to go for this trip. <laughs> well, uh, this was a little complicated because I, I had, uh, my wife and I had just gotten back from uh, Argentina. Mm-hmm. Then we went to her folks' house uh, in Utah for uh, Thanksgiving. Mm-hmm. And we got back on the Monday after Thanksgiving. And by Tuesday, I was sitting there saying, oh, I don't think I'm going to make my point status this year on the airline. I may need to go somewhere. And she came up with Cambodia. Oh, no. You have yeah. to travel again? I know. Oh, the shock of it all. Sad. <laughs> which which I, had, I had already expressed interest in needing to go to Cambodia because I'd been to Vietnam. And she had no interest in going. And I found a great flight. I found a great rate. So, um, you know, it was like around the $1,000 mark, which is pretty decent for last minute. And I, so I, you know, decided that on by Wednesday and by Monday, I was on a plane. That's really, really fast. (laughs) (laughs) Really fast. You are quite the adventurer on that. I am. (laughs) So uh, now when preparing for going to Cambodia, did Mm -hmm. you have to have any type of special visa associated with that or travel medications? No, uh, Cambodia is really cool that way. You can get an online visa. Um, It takes a few minutes and you print it out and then, you know, they return it to you, you print it out and you're good to go. It's, it's, you know, you print, present the visa uh, right there. Uh, and it's inexpensive. I can't remember the exact price, but I, I want to say it's like around $30 if that, and maybe even less. You, and go ahead. 
I'm so sorry. For those who have not had an opportunity to ever get a visa before, or for those who maybe would like to travel to Cambodia, where would they get this kind of a visa from? Well, that when you just go right online and get it to to the um, uh, Cambodian uh, consulate. Okay. There's an actual site that uh, that you can go to that you just click on, fill out all the information, you scan a picture of your um, of your passport, and pay the fee. And for it was like less than 24 hours, it was back in my inbox. Nice. Yeah, they're very efficient. It's, it sounds it. That's yeah. really great. Pretty good. Um, but no, but no crazy travel medications or anything that you needed to be. No, no. Um, interestingly enough, in Cambodia, unless you're going to the highlands, um, you don't need malaria pills okay. um, or anything like that. I mean, I do always have a yellow fever shot, um, which lasts for two years just because I do exotic travel. Mm-hmm. But, um, you know, and, and just always be up on your your shots, your tetanus, your diphtheria, all of those things. That's that's always a, a, a go to. And did but you other than that? No, I was going to say, did you just go to a travel doctor in order to get that or did you have to go somewhere special for that? Um, well, I didn't have to go anywhere this time. But yes, you, you would go to a travel clinic uh, for me in the Portland area. My where my doctor is, where my uh, GP is, mm-hmm. it happens to have a really good travel clinic as well. So okay. I just go there. But there are travel clinics you know, all all over the place. Excellent. Good. All right. So let's start to talk about the prepacking phase because again, you didn't have a lot of time to prepack. For this. <laughs> so what what do you bring? I mean, what what are the things you need to know about when you're when you're going so quickly on a trip? Well, first and foremost, you you start washing clothes right away. Mm-hmm. Um, after that, you uh, really you know. I do kind of an online search, um, although having said that, I, you know, having been to Vietnam, having been to South, other places in Southeast Asia, Thailand, I was very aware, well aware that it was just going to be hot. Mm-hmm. Um, there's, you know, there's, there's no, if you're, you're down in Southeast Asia, there's no other word for it. <clears throat> Excuse me. So, you know, it, the only other thing, and, and, you know, having said that, knowing you're going to countries that, you know, practice things like Buddhism, for example, uh, the same thing it would be a country that uh, is Muslim. It, you know, you, you're going to have things that are a little bit more conservative. So shorts were the name of the game, but you want long shorts. Don't bring short shorts because it's just not cool. It's it's not done. It's, it's insensitive. You can't go into any of the temples with short shorts. Yeah. So something that, you know, falls below the knee. I tend to, I always have a pair of travel pants, what I call my travel pants, where they're longer pants, they're very lightweight, and they zip off, you know, just below the knee. So you have that. Um, I brought a pair of jeans, never used them, uh, because I was in shorts all the time. And shorts and, and, you know, very lightweight t-shirts, things like that, but not bright colors. You don't, you don't want to also attract attention to yourself. When I went to Thailand a couple of years ago, we we specifically went out and started purchasing goss clothing as well as um, linen, uh, just for this kind of thing. Exactly. We we would not bring shorts to a place like that with that with that level of humidity. It just doesn't seem like that would be wise. Absolutely. Um, well, and you can. When, and the interesting thing is, you know, in places like Thailand and Cambodia, even Vietnam, you can buy inexpensive travel clothing, which I did. I bought a lot of things when I was there, like very thin t-shirts and the, um, <laughs> the elephant pants that you see yes. all over Southeast Asia. I was, was going to talk about yeah. that. 
They're they're actually they're actually just called travel pants because um, or tourist pants because it's only the tourists that wear them, but they're there for that purpose. Yeah, and in, in fact, I was going to make mention of like as a travel tip to my students. Um, while I while what exactly what uh, Marissa is saying here, you don't want to bring short shorts. <clears throat> in a lot of cases, especially as you're approaching temples, they may have the may I quote the word may have the opportunity for you to purchase these elephant pants, these, these travel pants, which are very like pantaloon, like they're very puffy or they're very, they're, they're just very comfortable. Uh, they usually have a drawstring. Uh, they're very, they're very easy. You can either purchase them or you can rent them in some cases. Um, they're very inexpensive uh, but because those will cover up your legs and, and, and you usually uh, well past your knees. That's, that's the safe bet. But again, like I say, you, 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 I will say they may be available. I wouldn't say they're 100% guaranteed. So like Marissa had said, please, 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 when you're going to conservative countries, try to bring shorts, capris, things like that that are that go well past your knees. Uh, so that way you can get into those temples. You can get into those places and people don't look at you really weird or funny because of that. Yeah. And, and, and don't wear tank tops either. It, it just... You don't really want to. You want something that's a little bit more absorbent. So a tank top is not the greatest idea, but it's it's just not done. You you know if you're a female, you can always, um, or a well dressed man, you can always you know get a sari and wrap that around you. But it's it's just uncomfortable. Just dress a little bit more appropriate, and you'll be fine. And you can get those pants in any market too. Exactly. So let's again talk about the parking situation and transportation situation out of um, Portland. Uh, I assume did your your wife did not travel with you on this, correct? No, did she, she did. Okay, yeah. so did she just drop you off then? Absolutely not. Oh, okay. <laughs> she tells me you're on your own. No, <laughs> no. Um, I, I left. She was working when I left. But no, what a, this one for this one, I actually flew out of Seattle because I wanted a just a more oh. direct flight. Okay. Uh, I'm only three hours from Seattle, so I drove up to Seattle and uh, parked. At, a, at an airport location, uh, I, I got a really good discounted rate. It was $96 the whole time. Oh, nice. It was excellent. And um, that, that's and that's it. I mean, it, it's just simple. It, it's So I, I have the benefit of going out of either Seattle or Portland, depending on, you know, do I want that extra flying time? Do I want to pay an extra price? Whatever it is. So that's what I do. Excellent. And which airline did you decide to go on? Korean. I travel Korean a lot because I really like connecting in Seoul Airport. <laughs> I hear this. I hear the Seoul Airport is actually quite lovely. The Seoul Airport is fantastic, um, and I have a choice of. And no matter where you're flying into or out of, you have a choice of like six lounges. Um, <clears throat> excuse me. I have a priority pass, mm. and with priority pass, I can just kick it in the lounges, and it's fantastic. Really good food, uh, good atmosphere, nice. What was your downtime in Seoul? On the way back, it was about eight hours. On the way there, it was, I think, about three hours. Okay, that's not that bad. The eight hours is a little bit pushing it for me. I, I, I've spent a nine-hour layover in Munich before, and I I think I would have preferred to just have a 24-hour layover and just taking the time to actually get a hotel room somewhere and and do that. It's this well, I'm gonna, well, I'm going to give you something really interesting about Seoul Airport, which is another reason I recommend it. Uh, when, if you have a transfer in Seoul Airport, as you're coming through the transfer area before you go through uh, uh, security again with your handbag, hand luggage, 
they there's a little desk there and they actually offer free city tours to oh. transit tourists. It, the tours are, it range from one hour to two hours, uh, all the way up to, I think, uh, five hours um, of uh, Seoul city sites. And they're completely free. You just have to sign up for it. Nice. Okay. And, and they're completely free. There's, uh, I assume there's gratuities involved and stuff like that. No, there's nothing involved. I mean, yes, I'm sure you can give a gratuity, but there's nothing involved. Um, the the premise is, is coming from the Korean, uh, South Korean uh, tourist board. Okay. And they, they just want to, you know, transiting passengers, they want to show them Korea and get them excited about Korea. So I, it's a fantastic promotion that they do. Excellent. And how was the food on your flights? You know, I, I never have any problem. Uh, Korean is, is still, it, it used to be the, the cheap airline to get to Asia uh, back in the day when I was a travel agent. And now to me, it's still, it's one of the loveliest because they, they don't uh, penny pitch. You know, the, the food is good. The, um, the seats have plenty of leg room. There's plenty of entertainment. It's, it's like old fashioned flying. I remember so. seeing the Korean air, the Korean air, um, commercials and they're always these luxurious, you know, fabulous <laughs> type of uh, like, Oh, you know, if you want to live like a five-star person, go through Korean air. And stuff like right. that. <laughs> so it was really, really pretty. And I was like, Hmm, I don't know if I can afford that, but based on the price that you're saying, and that was expensive. Like, very little notice. It sounds like it was not a bad idea. Yeah. No, K- Korean is very inexpensive. They don't penny pinch. You You know, you can still bring your two bags of 50 pounds each. Nice. Um, they, they don't, they really don't hassle you. They're lovely. And uh, I used to, I, they used to be one of my clients actually back in the day uh, when I was selling advertising for a travel magazine. And mm-hmm. so I was part of that ad campaign Excellent. and it, it just, it's, it, it, I highly recommend them. Excellent. Good. All right. So then where are, where do you land in Cambodia? What, what's the name of the city that you're in? The city I land in is Phnom Penh, which is the capital. Okay. And uh, Cambodia is a really small country. It's, it's um, the cities are very compact. I mean, it, it, it's on the large side by looking at it, but the city itself is very compact. Okay. Um, I just, I prearranged uh, a, a taxi to take me to my airport because I got in about 11 o'clock at night I didn't want to deal with it. Okay. Uh, inexpensive, $15. Oh, that's not bad at all. Yeah. Nice. Okay. And uh, I, were you staying in an Airbnb, a hotel? Where were you staying? No, the hotels are so inexpensive. So <laughs> even <laughs> last minute. Well, let me preface that by saying Cambodia's travel is really, they've seen a 50% decrease in travel um, in just one year, uh, oh. over the last year. So... Things are very cheap at the moment. Uh, everything's plentiful. And, you know, I kind of encourage people to go there just to support them because it, it's they're hurting for all the tourism that hasn't uh, or has gone away, I would say. Now, I know when I was going to Thailand, it was very inexpensive there. And we used the Thai bot. And I think it was about 35 Thai bot to the dollar. You can get things literally for pennies. What type of currency do they use over there? Do you know? Yeah, they, they use the real. It's called the real, uh, Cambodian real. Um, it's four to one. Well, I say four to one. It's four. It's four thousand to one. Okay. Um, but you'll you'll probably never use it. Um, every they deal in dollars. Oh, okay, that's easy enough. It, it's so simple. They deal in dollars. There's no need to you know worry about currency exchange. It's just show up with your cash. <laughs> or there are ATMs. There are ATMs 
everywhere nice. in Cambodia. Awesome. Okay, cool. Well, um, it sounds like you had a really good start to it. So take us on a little bit of your itinerary and let us know where you went over the course of the, of the time that you were there. Sure. So I, I decided to, uh, because I was arriving so late at night in Phnom Penh, um, just get a room for the night and then head right up to Siem Reap, which is the city outside of Angkor Wat. The reason I did that was just for timing, with the way of my flights were, and then spend the four days in Phnom Penh at the end of the trip. So first thing in the morning, I had booked ahead. Uh, it's a bus service. There are several bus services, and the best one is called uh, Grand Ibis. Grand Ibis. And Grand Ibis. Okay. Yeah. It's it's the well. It's the uh, a great Ibis. Now I have to think about it. But okay. it's it's the national bird. Uh, it's named after the national bird, and it's a uh, a luxury bus system, um, private bus system, and you have to use a private bus system. There is no public bus. But it's it's a luxury bus system, and it, it, I got a like I think a nine o'clock in the morning uh, bus. It took about six hours to get to Siem Reap, and you're on a luxury bus. They give you water, they give you a treat, they stop for lunch, and it's eighteen dollars. Do they have restrooms on the bus? <clears throat> not on the day bus. They do not. Oh, okay. They stop. They stop. You know, midway. Uh, and you know, for you to get lunch, go to the restroom, get some snacks if you want, whatever. Okay, cool. So um, the size of the city that you're going to, and for those of my students who are not familiar, Angkor Wat is this vast series of ruins that you'll see in just a couple of minutes. Uh, Marissa was very kind to share a couple of pictures with us. Um, how large is the city that's uh, nearby? Siem Reap is not that big. It, it is, it's walkable. Um, ironically enough, you know, all the, the main attractions in the city, there's not, not a lot to see in the city, but I really like the city. It's, uh, it's, it's quaint. It's cool. It's got some nice restaurants. Uh, it's got a really kind of hip atmosphere. Um, it's, it's amazing for a country that really is only about 20 years out of complete chaos. Mm-hmm. Um, now, when I went to Thailand a couple of years ago, I needed to make sure to purchase um, some toiletries, uh, quite literally toilet trees, uh, when I was there because they, you know, places you would go would not necessarily have toilet paper. Uh, right. So you had to make sure to do that. Was Cambodia similar? No, that's what's so interesting. Oh, wow. Uh, yeah, I mean, I always, I always travel with like a, a, a you know, travel roll mm-hmm. um, and uh, all sorts of toiletries as well in my backpack, my camera backpack. But no, Cambodia is, is they, they've done a fantastic job in the last 20 years of trying to make things really solid for tourists. I mean, the bathrooms are clean and, and they even advertise, I'll say clean bathroom. Mm-hmm. Uh, it, it's really interesting. And, and at the temples, if you have a temple ticket, you know, you're not a local, uh, you have a temple ticket and you're, you're going around, all the bathrooms are free. They're beautiful. They're well taken care of. Um, yeah, it's, it's kind of amazing. Awesome. All right. So let's talk about Angkor Wat. I'm, I'm curious to hear about this. <clears throat> kind of amazing. I mean, it, it was always on my bucket list uh, just because it, it is the, the largest religious site in the world. Um, it's, it, it doesn't disappoint. I, I will tell you that it, you know, the first thing you do, and at least the first thing I did, the way I did it is go see the sunrise at Angkor Wat. Um, you don't, that doesn't have to be the first thing you do, but it, it's kind of a, 
really cool introduction to the temples. And you sit there waiting with about, you know, 200, 300 of your closest friends and to see the sunrise come up behind Angkor Wat. And it's, it's, it's incredible. It's stunning. I mean, you get there in the, in the dark and this magnificent set of buildings that, you know, were built in the ninth, 10th century come up before you. And, and you can't imagine how did they build this? It's, it's just incredible. Nice. And then there are, there are more temples all around. It's not just Angkor Wat. It's the whole Angkor system. Um, before you go in, though, at, at sunrise, you, and it opens very, very early, um, you go to the ticket booth, which is outside of the complex, and you buy either a one-day, a three-day, or you can even buy a seven-day uh, ticket into the complex. They're a bit pricey. It is probably the most expensive thing you will buy in Cambodia. Um, one day is $36. Oh, sorry. No. Uh, yeah. One day is $36. Two days is $62. And I can't remember how much the seven day one was, but I opted for the three day, which is exactly what I would suggest so that you can see multiple things inside the complex and you don't have to rush through it all in one day. Okay. Now you're saying this is the largest religious complex in the world, like larger than the Vatican. Oh, much larger. Wow. Makes, that makes the Vatican look like a drop in the bucket. Oh my gosh. That's crazy. Um, I'm just, I'm, I'm stunned because like, as I said, when I was at the Vatican, it was massive and I was just overwhelmed yeah. by how huge it was. And you can't possibly reach all, I mean, it, it's, it's, and, and I don't have the figures in front of me, but it's, it's, you know, several thousand square miles. It's, it's massive. And you, you have to, you know, if, if think some of the places in some of the temples that you go to, you have to think um, Tomb Raider, Raiders Ooh. of the Lost Ark. Yeah. You know, it's like your wildest fantasies come true with your temple ruins and these big trees growing up through the temples. It's it, it, it's you want to take the time because there's each one is more magnificent than the next one. And they and they want to continue to cultivate the vines that are gro- that are growing through the trees, but make sure or growing through the ruins. But they want to make sure it's not destroying the ruins at the same time because it adds yeah. to the ambiance. Absolutely, yeah. and they do, and they don't want they don't want to disturb anything. But they but they do, you know, they if, if the vines that are already through there are, are not, you know, they're just growing taller. They're not growing wider. Mm-hmm. Uh, but if something needs to be propped up, they'll prop it up, and and otherwise, you know. The ruins are there as ruins, but it's it's quite incredible. Talk to me about what you meant by the Angkor system. Are there a series of different ruins that you can go to when you have this temple pass? Oh, yeah. Oh, yeah. There are so many. You can't possibly even in, if you if you did a seven day, you could possibly get to every one. Um, I think you'd be templed out. But uh, <laughs> yeah, you have to kind of pick and choose which ones you're interested in seeing. But what I did and, and, and what is very common to do is hire a tuk-tuk, um, mm-hmm. you know, the little motorized, a uh, little motorized cab, uh, open air cab, and have them just, you know, for the day. And they'll take you to a series of temples. Um, there's like a small route and a large route. And, you know, and it's like $25 a day to hire your tuk-tuk. They wait for you. They take you everywhere you need to go. It's nice. really very convenient. Awesome. Okay. So you're going to be there for three days. Um, while we're there, talk to me a little bit about what you do for like, I mean, are you just going back and forth between the city and Angkor Wat or how's that working? Well, Angkor Wat is really very close. I mean, it's, it's, 
you know, maybe 10 minutes outside the city. Oh, okay. That's not bad. So it, it's really very close. Uh, but yeah, the first day I spent the whole day, you know, just driving around the different temples. And just when I, you know, would say to the driver, ah, I think I'm good. And I'd be like, oh, yeah, no, okay, all right, you're right. Let's go to that one. So, <laughs> yeah, you know. Just, well, you're really close. It's like, oh, come on. Right, yeah, okay, let's go there. Yeah. But, but, you know, that's part of the problem is that it, each one is just so incredible. You can't believe you're standing there. You know, it's it's just really in, in, intense. Um, so, yeah, I, I mean, a lot of temples. And then, you know, I would usually, you know, relax a little bit in the afternoon. Um, my hotel had a pool, although I never used it because I was too busy, you know, running around doing things and, you know, it is what it is, but and eating, and uh, eating spiders apparently and eating spiders. Absolutely. And, and that, that's, you know, for, for dinner, I tended to go to the same area every night, which is pub street. Um, it's just a lively, uh, fun filled area that they've created over the last, you know, maybe 10 years where, uh, they're all really great restaurants and there's just, you know, a lot going on and, you know, it, there are a lot of tourists, there are locals, and, you know, there are some massage places. You can get a, an expensive massage and yes. have some dinner, have some drinks, uh, do some shopping. There's a night market right there. So that's that's where I would end up going most nights. Talk to me about some of the foods that you did. Obviously, you tried the spiders, which is like, yeah. that's fine. That's the exotic part. But like, what a snack. Typical, yeah. <laughs> but what kind of typical foods would you have for for your evening? You know, it's very similar to all Southeast uh, Asian food. Um, they're not known for their food as much as Vietnam is or yeah. even Thailand, but uh, a lot of the the same type of stuff. They're really known for pineapple fried rice, which of mm-hmm. course is always a winner. Um, it, they're they're uh, you know noodle dishes. Uh, There's just the the gamut of things you can have. Um, and you know, I, I don't, somebody asked me, aren't you, you know, worried about getting sick? And it's, I tend not to. (laughs) So, (laughs) um, yeah, but everything's very clean. I mean, the the restaurants are very modern, uh, you know, beautiful places. I I went to one, um, that uh, apparently was, uh, Angelina Jolie's favorite during the filming of, uh, Tomb Raider and had the Tomb Raider cocktail. And I, did it just because, and it was actually very good. I had to go back the next day and just have another cocktail. What What is in a Tomb Raider cocktail? It is a Cointreau, uh, club soda, and lime, I believe. Hmm, sounds refreshing. It was actually really refreshing for a hot day. Oh, and that's the other thing is it, it, a lot of local beers, uh, because it's so hot, it's, you know, I would usually have a nice beer in the afternoon, even though I'm not a big beer drinker. Mm-hmm. Uh, so that's always a nice thing to do there too. Awesome. Very cool. Okay. So you're hitting the, hitting all the temples back and forth every single day uh, for about three days. Uh, what, what's after that? What's our next, what's our next? Uh, well, the next thing I did was after doing the temples, I, um, in, in each city I go to, I like to set up some type of a local cultural tour. Uh, at, at least one, because I, I like to, I, I don't like to take big tours. I don't like giving money to big tour companies. I'd rather give the money to a local NGO or something like that. So uh, I had researched a little bit in the three days before I left um, a tour that 
um, ended up taking me to, and on recommendation actually of a friend I met in Vietnam the year before, uh, a tour that took me to the uh, Tonle Sap River for sunset. But prior to that, um, it is a, there's a little village, one of the uh, fishing villages on the river and on the lake uh, that took me, you know, myself and six others, they, they have a maximum of seven people, uh, to their village. And all the money, uh, it was only $35, but all the money goes towards this local school, primary school that they've built, because children can't get to the bigger school. So, you know, in, in the monsoon season, in the wet season, they will swim to school, or the teacher will, you know, pick them up by boat. And in the dry season, they can walk. So we actually got to see the school, meet the villagers. And these are these are people that, um, you know, we, from a Western perspective, would say are the, some of the poorest of the poor. And yet just smiles and happy and it, it, really an amazing experience. That's awesome. Very nice. And how long were you in that area for? Um, I was there for most of the day. Uh, we, we got to, you know, meet the villagers and go to the school. And then we watched uh, the sunset on the Tonle Sap uh, Lake, which is a massive lake in Cambodia, stretches all the way from Siem Reap to uh, Phnom Penh. Mm-hmm. And um, then the next morning, oh, sorry, sorry, that night, I, I took the uh, Grand or Great Ibis, I'm not sure which one. Uh, <laughs> sorry. The National Bird Bus. The National Bird Bus. Uh, back to Phnom Penh, but I did the night bus, okay. uh, which was a lot of fun. Uh, it's beds on a bus. It's, it's crazy. Um, beds on a bus. I, I took a lower bunk, uh, which was fine. And they have outlets and, you know, you can use your phone as a little flashlight. And so you can charge all your goodies. You, you get on the bus about 1130 at night and by 5 a.m. you're, back in Phnom Penh and I, I, I fell asleep. I was, I was out and it, it was, it was really convenient. So you don't really lose any time. Uh, but I do, I do want to say actually one other thing about the hotels. The reason in Cambodia you can do hotels for, you know, between 20 and $30, you can get a beautiful hotel room. Um, you know, the, the little boutique hotels. I, I, I would never stay in, you know, one of the mega hotels in a place like that yeah. uh, because the, and there aren't that many, but the boutique hotels are right there in the city. So that's another thing I wanted to add in. Awesome. So then I, I got up, I, you know, got there in the morning. Um, I grabbed a tuk-tuk. There are plenty of them sitting there waiting saying, do you need a, ho- do you need a tuk-tuk? And, you know, they, <laughs> they're, they they're kind of aggressive tuk-tuk. sometimes, at least yeah. if they, if it's similar to what yeah. they were in Thailand. No, they're, they're actually really gentle. They're, they're, oh, I mean, okay. they'll, they'll come up to you and say, do you need a tuk-tuk? But if you say no, they go, okay. And okay, they walk away. Um, so I, I had someone come up to me and I'm like, yeah, actually I do. And he took me to my next hotel. Mm-hmm. And then I spent the rest of the time in Phnom Penh. Excellent. Um, any other activities that you did in Phnom Penh? Yeah, um, Phnom Penh has a lot of uh, really interesting things to do. Uh, Their their markets are not that great. If you're going to buy, you know, T-shirts and things like that, do it in Siem Reap. Uh, Phnom Penh, you know, the markets are, it's weird, but they're kind of lackluster and that's okay. But I I did the same thing, hired a a tuk-tuk for the day. And in fact, we're now Facebook friends, which is really kind of (laughs) funny. It's the ever-present Facebook. (laughs) It's all over the world. So, um, 
yeah, he, he would, you know, he would wait for me um, outside the uh, hotel and just hang out and wait. And, you know, hey, what do you want to do today? You know, so I had if the first day I went to the uh, prison and the killing fields. Yeah. And that is a very emotional thing to do, but you want something you have to do in Cambodia. Um, it's, you know, a war ravaged country. There are still line well, landmines. I can't even say it. There's still landmines everywhere. Um, not in, not in the cities, not where you'll be. It won't, it's not dangerous, but, um, you know, they, they've spent a lot of money cleaning up landmines. In fact, one of the temples I went to up in Siem Reap, they had only cleared the landmines from the area just a couple of years ago. So it, it's a work in progress. They're, they're really not anywhere near where they need to be to get rid of these landmines. It's a horrible situation. You see, you know, disfigured people all the time. It's, it's you know, that that is the the hard part of going to Cambodia and, and the fact that, you know, we, we played a role in that, but I, I did go to, um, you know, the, the prison, um, uh, it's called S 21, which is where they held all the prisoners and killed, you know, so the Khmer Rouge, uh, and that's just a little bit of history that people may want to look into killed a lot of people. And there, there were only 12 survivors and I, I happened to meet two of them. I got to meet two of them, which was really quite moving. And um, then uh, out to the killing fields, which is just very somber. And, you know, they, they don't ask you to be quiet, but everybody is. Everybody's very silent and it's very moving as you, you know, it, bodies are still coming up in the rainy season. It's, it's not like this is a history lesson. It's, it's, still, it's still happening. The bodies are still rising up. They're still, they're still finding things. It's, it's quite incredible. And then um, I, I did, I can't, I can't remember what I did some of the other days, but one of the days I, I went to uh, Silk Island and that is also a, um, it, it's a, it's a community. Uh, I had my driver take me out there where uh, it's actually kind of like a true, true form of commune. Uh, the widows make the silk by hand. They, you know, they have the worms, they have the, the, the mulberry bushes. Everything is done by hand. The scarves are made with vegetable dye uh, when they're dyed. And it's just beautiful work. And that was, that was, a, and it's right outside of Phnom Penh. I mean, you can literally see it across the river, uh, across the Mekong. And then uh, the, my last day, I had planned another NGO called uh, Save, uh, Free the Bears, okay. which is, it's, it's a little on the pricey side, but the money goes for a good cause. It was about, I want to say it was about $90, but the money goes for a very good cause. And I happened to be the only person that day, so it was all very tailored. Uh, they pick you up in the morning. They take you way outside of Phnom Penh to a sanctuary, an animal sanctuary, okay. and where they rescue animals from all over Southeast Asia. And this one is uh, focused on the sun bears and the moon bears. And so I got to be, it's called, you know, be a, a bear keeper for a day. Aww. And I got to actually uh, feed, make enrichment toys for the bears and feed the bears and, um, you know, see, see them from, you know, behind a, <laughs> behind a fence enclosure, <laughs> yeah, or something. Yeah. Yeah. Um, but they, and they're very large enclosures and they're, you know, they're, they look very natural. Uh, and, and that was, that was kind of a really nice experience. A nice way to end the, the whole trip. 
Awesome. So um, it sounds like it was a wonderful trip. Um, can I take a step back for just a moment to um, the killing fields and, and uh, yeah. stuff that was going on there? I know Pol Pot died a few years ago. And for those of my students who are not really familiar with it, he was the leader of the Khmer Rouge. Um, is he actually like buried in Cambodia or do you know what happened with him? He is buried in Cambodia. Um, he died in Cambodia. And, and this is really the sad thing is that none of the Khmer Rouge leaders really paid a price for what they did. Uh, Pol Pot died a free man. Um, uh, Dutch, uh, one of the other guys, died a free man. Um, friends of mine in Norway, the, the people that I had met in Vietnam the year before, um, her brother was instrumental in catching uh, Pol Pot's right-hand man. But, you know, by the time they caught him, he was so old, uh, nothing happened. And he, he died last year. So, you know, some of these people are still alive. And, and as a matter of fact, even the president of Cambodia today, uh, who's been the president, interestingly enough, since 1985, was in the Khmer Rouge. Hmm. So it, it's, it's really a very strange um, dichotomy of politics and events in, in Cambodia that I, I still couldn't quite put my finger on. Yeah. But I mean, it sounds like you got a lot of history and cultural enrichment. And it okay. sounds like you also did some great charitable work while you were there and being able to help with the economy and um, help with the bears, help with the schools. It sounds like you really got a lot out of this trip. I did. And, and you know, I, I like to do that when I travel somewhere. I, I, I don't I don't want to be that tourist. Um, one of my one of my goals in travel and, and as a cultural photographer is to not only bring the culture back to the rest of the world and show people through my photography, but to really experience it myself to, you know, delve deep into a culture that I'm experiencing and meet the people, meet the real people, not the people that sometimes tour companies want you to see. Mm. So that's, that's part of my goal and what I do. I will say this. Um, we are on this channel. We do not judge a person as far as how they travel or, no, or no. how they tour. Um, whatever you, as a student, want to be able to do within the different locations that you go to, great. Um, I personally love cruising, mm -hmm. and because for me, it's one of those opportunities to kind of get a little bit of a sampling of different countries, and then if I want, I can say, hey, you know what? I really would like to go back to this one place and do a much deeper dive into that place. So it gives me that opportunity to do exactly as you've done, which is let, let's take, let's take a week and just really hit this one location and, and dig into it and, and get the nuts and bolts out of it. Well, I, and the way I travel isn't for everybody. It's, it, it's really not. And, and, you know, absolutely. I hundred percent agree with you. No judgment there. You know, everybody needs to, I, I want people to like you to, to see the world, to experience the world. And, and if cruising and, and being able to, you know, see lots of little places, I think that's a great idea. Um, I'm not there yet. I think I, you know, eventually I will be when I can't do as much of the adventure travel, but um, I mean, I love cruises, but um, yeah, it's, it's, there, there's definitely, um, you know, many ways to travel. There's no one way to travel. I just do this primarily because of my photography. Um, that's the way I travel. And that's kind of sometimes the way I've always traveled, but you know, I, I've also traveled very luxury. So, you know, it's, I, I've done a little bit of everything. 
So let's also talk really quick about the return process. So um, I, coming back, you had, I know, a nine-hour layover. Um, I yeah. think it was in... Uh, eight, eight hours, yeah. Oh, I'm sorry, eight hours. Oh, sorry, I'm, I'm confusing it with my layover. <laughs> eight-hour layover in Seoul, which just sounds like, you know, was not too much of an issue for you. Uh, how, how was passport control um, and all that kind of stuff? Oh, it's really simple. Um, passport control is very easy. I mean, I have... Uh, and, and something I would uh, suggest people get is the mobile app uh, to come back into the United States. Uh, it's it's $14.99, I think. It, it was the price when I got it. Um, it's something you can, you fill out, uh, you, you, well, you scan your passport ahead of time. And then as you land in the United States, you just hit a couple of buttons and you're ready to go. And there's a special line for you so that you don't have to get in the regular line. So do either that or the um, the regular mm -hmm. government one. Yeah, uh, I know you're talking about uh, the mobile passport specifically. Mobile passport. Yeah, yeah. Um, most most of the people I speak to on this channel I either do the mobile passport or they do global entry. I have global That's entry myself. Either one. Either um, one. They're both fantastic. They'll save you a lot of time, especially in the larger hub cities. Like I got LAX. And it saves me a lot of time going through LAX. I've actually timed it. It saves me about a good 30 minutes each time I come back through LAX. So I'm yeah. happy with that. I mean, I was at LAX I, I, because I actually coming back, I came through LAX and okay. I literally, oh no, sorry. That was in, that was a different trip. <laughs> I, <laughs> sorry, I'm confused. Um, I came back through LAX in, uh, when I went to Buenos Aires and, and it, um, yeah, it saved at least an hour because you don't actually even go through passport control. You just scan it and, and you're done. Oh, no, no. Sorry. Maybe that was Seattle. I don't know. I'm confused. But <laughs> I know when I, when I got back to Seattle, I didn't actually see a passport officer. Okay. It was it was just amazing. So yeah, it's just um, much easier, I think. Yeah. And, and the layover in Seoul Airport is really not bad. Um, again, it's, it's why I like taking Korean airlines, even though sometimes they, they go everywhere and, and sometimes they have long layover, layovers on the way back. But, um, if you have a, a priority pass, mm -hmm. uh, there are so many lounges you can hang out in and they just have a constant buffet of food going, uh, comfortable chairs, outlets, and you really don't even notice the time, honestly. Yeah. Um, so it's one of my favorite places to connect. Awesome. All right. And then um, I just wanted to share some of your pictures with the rest of the team yeah. here. Um, let's go around and, and just talk to me a little bit about each of these pictures. Sure. Um, the one on the top left was a fun story. I was in the Tuk Tuk uh, driving back from Silk Island, actually, outside of Phnom Penh. Mm -hmm. And I, I saw this truck with, you know, a, like a hay truck with this lady sitting on top. And I had my telephoto lens. And as we got a little bit closer, I, you know, focused in, she got, she saw my camera and just got so excited. I mean, <laughs> here's somebody that we would look at and say, she's got, she's got nothing. And look at the joy on her face. It, it, it's just, I, I had to capture, I, I call that photo joy because a, a rural joy, because it, it just captured such simpleness of life. You know, Funny story. I'm going to connect to this one really quick. And this is from Thailand. I actually, I actually had uh, noticed when I was in Thailand that there was definitely a discrepancy between, you know, the really, really rich and the not so rich, yeah. but I didn't see at least in all the areas I was in around Bangkok in and outside of Bangkok. I didn't see too many homeless people. I didn't see yeah. 
um, I, I did not see people that were sad or angry or, or furious at the government or anything. Well, granted, it's a kingdom in Thailand. Right. But at the same time, I asked our tour operator and I was like, you know, I'm just so amazed. Everybody is just so happy. And she's like, but that's part of the philosophy. You're happy with what you have. So whether you have a million dollars or whether you not you have a buck in your pocket, you live within your means. You're, it's not like here in the United States where you're always trying to keep up with the Joneses. Right. People are people respect you for being able to live within your means, and that's not frowned on, yeah. at least not in Thailand. And so people tend to have a better um, emotional support level, a better social level, because they they're they're not judged by the the fashions that they wear or the clothes that they or the things right. that they eat and stuff like that. So it's it's. It's based entirely, I, I mean, I guess in some ways it's kind of a caste-based system, but it's not, look, people aren't looked down for being part of these separate right. levels, and that, if that makes it's sense. Very much a, it, it, it's a Buddhist philosophy. It's mm -hmm. the same in Vietnam, same in Cambodia. Uh, Cambodia is a kingdom also, by the way. Mm. Um, they have a president, but they also have a king. Okay. And it, it is the same kind of thing. And it, and it really is a Buddhist um, philosophy that, you know, be happy with what you have. And they are. They're, I mean, you can see the, the look on this woman's face. It's just sheer joy. Mm -hmm. I like it. And okay, the next one on the the well, let's uh, let's go to the the top right, uh, the top center. Sorry. Okay. The top center is Angkor Wat at sunrise. Oh, um, there there is a, a reflecting pool, um, which was originally part of a moat. Uh, actually, the moat is still there. It, it is does still surround it. Uh, and, and it's just anchor watt as it's coming up, the sun is coming up. You, you can't really, from a photograph, gauge just how big this thing is. It, it's really hard to explain. Um, let's go to the lower right. Uh, the lower right is uh, an, a picture later in the morning of anchor watt just from a different side. It's from the side of the temple. Um, again, the picture does not do justice to the size of these towers. They're, they're just incredibly, incredibly tall. I, I did walk around through the inside of the, the temple as well. Uh, let's go to the lower left. Again, Angkor Wat. That's Angkor Wat from the sky, actually. Um, there is a really cool uh, helium balloon that you can take. It's, oh, wow. it's $15. Um, highly recommended. I was the only person there uh, because tourism is is down, uh, and and you stay up for about ten minutes and just you get a bird's eye view of everything, and it, it's just stunning. It's a stunning view. Question for you: Do you know if um, for those of us who are uh, vloggers or for people who are bloggers, do you know if they allow for drones for photography? Uh, no, uh, I, I believe that it's no drones. Okay. I just wanted to pretty double sure. check on that. Yeah. I'm pretty sure it's no drones. Uh, and for a variety of reasons, you know, they want to protect the, the, the sites as well. Sure. And no one knows, you know, what's involved in a, in having a drone. Yeah. So, um, the top right picture, you can't see very well because the, our photos are covering, uh, <laughs> hi. The, the, yeah, hi guys, uh, uh, covering the sunset, but you can see that on my website, which Scott will show you in a little bit. Um, that is a sunset at Bantai Ray. Uh, you, it, it's kind of a, it, it's, it's a thing where a lot of people do it. So you have to go early and then sit and wait for the sun because it's quite a hike up to the top. It's about 
three quarters of a mile up and then another little bit to climb the temple on very steep steps. So, and, and they only allow 300 people up, period. So if you get there too late, you're not going to get a tag and not going to get to go to the top of the temple and watch the sunset. But um, luckily, I, you know, my driver, any driver knows that you need to get there early. And I, I got there plenty early and got a nice seat, you know, talked to, I, I actually talked to a Cambodian tour guide for about 40 minutes, which was really nice, you know, getting a lot of local flavor. We also are now Facebook friends. So. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, it's kind of funny that way. And um, it, and then you watch the sunset and, and it was just incredible. I mean, as, as the photo shows, I've already had a few orders for this uh, this photograph on glass, um, which is really nice. And then the, the one, the lower center one is a clouded leopard. Um, uh, he was at the conservation uh, center. Uh, most of the animals that are at the conservation center were uh you know, farmers uh, took them as, as pets or or they were injured, in, in, you know, in the forest and um, the conservation center takes them and brings them back to health, uh, some of them to release them back. Uh, I, ironically enough, the bears that I was talking about, they, you know, a lot of them came to the conservation center because of being pets, because many farmers will, you know, take a bear like, a, you know, one of the moon bears and it, it's a status symbol you know, they have a bear and then the bear starts to get big and they realize, Oh, I don't really want this bear, but you know, I don't want to hurt it. So they call the dangerous, yeah. somebody calls the conservation center and they come get it. Well, these are, these are fantastic photos and we're going to talk about where to get that in just a second. Um, but let's talk about the takeaways from this trip. Um, what would you say are probably the biggest pros of a trip like this? The biggest pro I would say, you know, if if you're looking for somewhere to go that's exotic, a little bit different, that um, maybe is, you know, kind of like Thai, Thailand was 40, 50 years ago um, or even longer. Um, that's definitely one of the pros. Uh, as far as costs go, uh, even a backpacker can live like a king or a queen because, you uh, Everything is so inexpensive. Um, a dollar goes a long way, mm-hmm. and it's it's really it's really you know one of the great wonders of the world. I, I think everybody should see it. The people are fantastic. Um, the, the the infrastructure is is amazing considering um, you know they're not that long out of a civil war. So yeah, I would say those are the pros. Excellent. And then what would you say are some things that maybe the student or first time person would want to be aware of when going there? You, you do need to be aware of, you know, sometimes scams. You have to remember this is a poor country. And while 99% of the people are wonderful, there is going to be that 1% that would like to scam you out of your money, even if it's $5. So you have you do have to be aware, um, you know, don't flash your phone around, you know, even though I know, I, I mean, I use my phone for GPS, but y- you have to be careful, especially if you're on a tuk-tuk, sit in the middle if you can, uh, keep your, your backpack, you know, in down on the ground in between your legs so that a motorcyclist can't, you know, come by and grab it. And I never saw anyone attempt that, but it happens. Mm-hmm. So you, you just have to be aware of those things. Okay. And then uh, value adds, um, cost savings, or some best practices that you'd like to share with us? It's really a place you can go uh, on your own. Um, I think 
pretty much all of Southeast Asia is. Of course, it's more fun with a friend, but um, mm-hmm. but you can you can go alone. It's not that difficult. You will meet people. You will have a good time. Um, value adds, I would say, you know, don't immediately think I have to stay in a hostel, uh, you know, if you're going on the cheap, because like I said, the hotels are so inexpensive. I mean, some of the hotels I paid $20 a night and they were beautiful. Mm. Um, cost savings. That's yeah. I mean, your airline ticket is probably going to be your, your biggest expense. Everything else is not so much. And, and best practices just, um, really just have a good time. Go with an open mind. And try a spider now and then. <laughs> try a spider now and then. <laughs> <laughs> now, in order for people to look at these amazing photographs that you have, I have your website up on here, but just so those who are listening on the podcast know, it's http colon forward slash forward slash www.fredericophotography is spelt F-R-E-D-E-R-I-C-O dot com. Correct. And did you uh, have any other um, pointers out for people when they come to you, when they come to that website, anything to nope. look they, they can, they can order. Uh, one of the things I do um, have on there now is uh, ways that they can order. They can also go to my Facebook page and order either way. Um, I, you know, if they want to, you know, get any of the photographs I have on any type of medium, I can always arrange that. It's beautiful. Thank you so much again for sharing this with us. We really appreciate it. And again, to all my students, if you have any questions or comments that you would like to know a little bit more about, or if you just wanted to get some more information, um, you can always, of course, reach out to Marissa directly if it's any questions on Cambodia, or if there's anything in general, you can reach me at scott at theprofessortravel.com. For those of you who would like to be notified when there's new videos that go up, hit the bell icon on YouTube there. Um, If you haven't already done so, please subscribe. And if you like this video and you'd like to see more, please give a a like for us. Um, If you're listening on the podcast, again, please give us a rating. We really appreciate it. And to everyone, again, make every opportunity to travel a wonderful travel adventure. Take care, everybody. Have a wonderful day. Goodbye now. The Professor Travel is a broadcast from Orange County, California. A transcript of each podcast may be requested by contacting the Professor Travel at his website, theprofessortravel.com. For opportunities to work with the Professor Travel, feel free to contact Scott at theprofessortravel.com or contact us through YouTube, Instagram, or Facebook at The Professor Travel or Twitter at TheProfessorTR1. Make every day a great day to have a travel adventure.